0: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you, self-quantification pros, people who like to know what's happening under the hood from the comfort of their own home. But before we do that, I want to thank you so much for being here today. And I'd love to encourage you to check out my newsletter, sign up for it at natnidham.com. That's where you get to find out about all the things going on in my world, where to meet up with me. I'm doing a bunch of in-person events coming up. And also you'll be the first to hear about my new Black Friday shopping list, my new Black Friday shopping list. So to figure all that out, go to natnitum.com and sign up for the newsletter. All right. I'd like to take a quick minute to talk to you about this product called MitoPure from Timeline Nutrition. MitoPure is the first product to offer a precise dose of a compound called urolithin A that supports mitophagy and increases cellular energy. So let's talk about why mitophagy is so important. As we get older, mitochondria become damaged and dysfunctional, which can lead to the production of harmful byproducts and the disruption of normal cellular function. What mitophagy does is it helps in maintaining healthy mitochondria by eliminating those damaged ones, which allows for the proper functioning of cells and overall cellular health. Optimizing your cellular health is obviously critical for maintaining healthy tissues, organs, and systems in our body. And we're talking about muscles. We're talking about the immune system. We're talking about your brain, your heart, all the big hitters. So this is where MitoPure from Timeline Nutrition comes in. They have three ways to get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of urolithin A. They have a delicious vanilla protein powder that combines muscle building protein with the cellular energy of MitoPure. There's a berry or a ginger powder that easily mixes into smoothies or just about any drink. And finally, soft gels for travel. I just love those. So I personally love the starter pack because it lets you try all three forms of MitoPure and pick your own favorites. So Timeline is offering 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Just go to TimelineNutrition.com forward slash NAT10 and use code NAT10 to get 10% off your order. That's TimelineNutrition.com forward slash NAT10. And I totally recommend trying that starter pack with all three formulas. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this episode. Have you ever wondered how the intricate world of silicon photonics can intersect with health markers? Who here knows what silicon photonics are? I didn't before this episode, I will admit. Well, we roped in someone who knows it all, Michael Dubrovsky, co-founder and chief product officer of CFOX. In this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast is an intriguing journey that unwraps the science of miniaturizing optics onto silicon chips and the dynamics of launching a company that aims to bring lab-like precision into, wait for it, the comfort of our own homes. No more begging for blood work. I mean, look, they're still going to be begging for blood work, but Michael discusses the importance of tracking inflammation, understanding the significance of the CRP test, and the impact that workouts, fights, lifestyle, and supplements can have on our CRP levels. So CRP is a measure of inflammation. And just for the record, I said flights, not fights, although fights can also contribute to inflammation, but whatever. As we proceed, we unveil the potential of simple lifestyle changes to improve metabolic and cardiovascular health. We also take a peek into the future of home blood testing and the role of semiconductor technology in driving this forward. So Michael is the co-founder and CPO of CFOX Health. He not only engineered this device alongside his co-founder, Diedrich Vermeulen, and their team of scientists, but also leads their current direct-to-consumer venture, as the CFOX home device is not FDA cleared yet. A 17 biomarker comprehensive health test at the lowest price on the market in the U.S. and Canada. So this is a test. So they don't have that technology to do the at-home stuff yet. Right now, you can sign up and get an amazing blood test through a kit that they're going to send you and you're going to send back. So Michael's an engineer, he's a serial entrepreneur and a tech investor. Okay, so to learn more about CFOX Health, and maybe if you're interested in ordering this 17 marker test, you'll want to go to cfoxhealth.com forward slash superhuman, and you can use code NAT10 to save 10% off the cost of your 17 marker test. Okay, so once again, that's CFOX, which is S-I-T-H-O-X.health.com forward slash superhuman. Before we jump into the episode, I want to take a quick minute to chat with you about LMNT, something that an electrolyte drink that I recently discovered and I'm absolutely obsessed with. I dump a single packet into my one and a half liter water bottle and sip on it throughout the day. Not only does it help me drink more water because it tastes amazing, but it also ensures my electrolyte levels are always balanced. And why is that important? Well, balance levels ensure that you regulate fluid balance, which helps with everything, digestion, circulation, temperature regulation, maintaining your body's pH balance, which ultimately is vital for enzyme activity and biochemical reactions, and as well as optimizing nerve and muscle function. So this formula contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. That's 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. When it comes to electrolytes, the devil is in the details, folks. Not only that, but it carries none of the junk that so many electrolyte drinks do. So there's no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, Literally, no BS. So right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinklmnt.com forward slash nat. This deal is only available through my link. So you've got to go to drinklmnt.com forward slash nat. Last thing I'll say is that Element offers no questions asked refunds. You get to try it totally risk-free. And if you don't like it, you can share it with a salty friend and they will absolutely give you your money back. No questions asked. You literally have nothing to lose. Now, let's jump into this episode and learn about CFOX Health. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Hey, Michael, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here.
0: This has been possibly um, one of the longest coming podcasts I've ever had. I think, I think I can't remember his name. This young guy, I met him. I finally met him at A4M in December. And it felt like he hunted me down for the longest time and finally handed me this kit and said, here. <laughs> So anyway, I'm very glad that he did because um, I think we're going to have a super interesting conversation today. So Michael, why don't you just 60 second snapshot on who you are, what you do and why you're doing a a little bit about what you're doing, what you're doing, because I think it's actually really interesting. I've kind of moved away from that in the recently, but in your case, I think it'll be interesting for people to understand who they're talking to. (laughs)
1: Um, sure. So my background's originally in chemistry, biochemistry, but uh, I then went on to do several startups, more like engineering and hardware. But um, the last six years or so, I've been working in this field called silicon photonics. So I got into it originally when I was at Technion at University for a while in Israel, and then I came back to MIT and uh, did some more there. And um, it's a really interesting field that like people don't really know about, which is uh, miniaturizing optics onto silicon chips. So like this behind me is a wafer. So this is what like comes out of the fabs that make chips for computers and cell phones and so on. And so there's a smaller subfield where they actually, instead of doing stuff with electronics, you're actually taking lenses and lasers and stuff like that and miniaturizing them onto chips. It's mostly used for the internet. So right now when I'm talking to you, uh, the computer is electronic. So it's getting the data from the, like the, the camera and the microphone converting it into Um, signals that go to eventually somewhere it's converted into light. So, because it has to go over fibers to get to you. Mm -hmm. And so that's being done on chips. It used to be done by like large, uh, you know, kind of like bulk optics, but that's now all done on chips. And it's a very powerful technology. Uh, so a couple of years ago, uh, my co-founder and I decided to start a company around using that technology for new, like new applications outside of telecommunications. Uh, and it became clear that like blood testing was really exciting, because it's really hasn't seen much innovation and the instruments in central labs all use a lot of optics so we chose kind of like the basically one of the most advanced instruments that's used in central labs uh, and uh miniaturized that for for the home um so that's kind of the mission of the company and we it grew into many more things along the way i know i got really excited about longevity and biomarkers and everything before this i really didn't know much about it and um, and I had some personal things happen also that made me interested in it. And um, uh, anyway, so here, here we are today.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good 60-second uh, snapshot. Thank you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> sure, sure. It's a
0: big story. So anyway, so you became interested in longevity and health. And so you've turned your superpowers to how can we miniaturize what's in that giant central lab into something that can be applied a person can apply for themselves at home. But before that, you have like an interim technology that you released, right?
1: So so one of the, exactly, so what you tried is the at-home test kit, which is this thing, this thing where you collect blood onto a, this is also actually a pretty interesting technology. It's not ours, but we, we applied it. It's a card that separates blood cells from plasma. So once yeah. you've put, which you, you saw this, once you put your blood here, it actually runs across and the plasma ends up on this side. And what this does is it allows it to be shipped for up to two weeks yeah. and it makes it really easy to handle. You don't need refrigeration and so on. And so that allows us to actually do the testing in a central lab, Uh, but for a very low cost, very convenient and from the home. Yeah. Of course, the turnaround time is long, but like five days, it's not 50 seconds.
0: Yeah. When I put my drops in the little well and then I saw it separating out, I was like, oh,
1: that is
2: so
0: cool. My husband and my son are looking at me going, what are you talking about? I'm like... Never mind. To people like me, this is super cool, <laughs> but you can literally see the different components yeah. kind of getting pulled out. So anyway, so. All right. So that's the snapshot of what we're going to talk about at the end. But before that, I think one of the things that we we wanted to pick a topic because you're doing you're doing like a really interesting comprehensive panel. Through the the C fox is that how you pronounce it? Cy fox through the Cy fox test. Um, and so before the podcast, we were sitting and talking. Okay, what are we going to pick? What are we going to choose? And you came up with this idea, which I love, of talking about inflammation and the major inflammatory marker that you look at, which is hsCRP, um, which is a really interesting marker when we're looking at. What's going on under the, and and what I love about markers like that is they can give you an indication that something is brewing before it's actually shown up or before we become aware of it. And so let's talk a little bit about HSCRP and why you, I mean, I know why you chose it, but talk to people a little bit about why they should care. And there's, there's just CRP and then HSCRP. And so talking about yeah. the difference between the two and that kind of thing.
1: So the the reason, one of the reasons I thought it'd be interesting to talk about hs or CRP in general is that um, that was that's the first test that we worked on. Uh, so we also do a lot of demos with uh, this is like the home device that we're working on, right? So we do a lot of uh, CRP. We, we do other demos now as well, but that's the first demo that we built because it's such an interesting marker. It has it it can mean many things, and it's it's very relevant for uh, for for a lot of like longevity use cases and other use cases that people care about. Um, so there's two CRP tests, uh, there's CRP and CRP. They're actually the same thing. So it's the same protein. The problem is just, uh, the essential lab instruments, they have to run. If you have very high CRP that has to be run separately, it doesn't work like to make it very, it doesn't work in the same well. So they'll, if, if they think you'll have very high CRP, they'll run a CRP test, which measures like, uh, 10 to a hundred milligrams per, uh, milligrams per mil, I think. And it's okay. either milligrams per ml or uh, megs per liter. Uh, I, I always confuse it. I'm
0: going but... to put it out there. It's probably megs per liter, but...
1: Yeah, okay. It's migs per liter. So it's microgram per ml. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, so it's 10 to 100 milligrams per liter. And then HSCRP is 0. 0.1 to, or sometimes 0. 0.2, depending on the test, 0. 0.2 to 10. But it's all the same protein. Uh, and But the use cases are pretty different because typically if you're above 10, you're in like some acute inflammatory state. Whereas below ten, it can be chronic, um, okay. but uh, like in our case, we just do the full range in one test. But it's um, that's on the on the home device. Uh, but generally, I think what's more interesting is hsCRP. The acute CRP is is something that doesn't have a big relevance to longevity. Um, it's typically like a you know you have a bacterial infection, so you have very acute high CRP. Like, um could but, it be brought uh,
0: on also by like a, if you let's say did a crazy hard workout the day before you had your labs done and you go to the doc and you go get your blood drawn and your doctor's like holy jumping you know these numbers are out of whack but i remember once my crp was off the charts and my doctor looked at me going yeah but aren't you doing that crazy crossfit stuff and i'm like actually now that you mention it i had worked out that morning of <laughs> the blood draw
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you want, it's kind of like fasting for a lipid test. If you want to get a good baseline CRP value, you can't do a hard workout like one or two days before. So if you look at the graphs, like so they'll measure athletes for like a triathlon or something like that, you'll get a peak about 24 hours after the, after the event. And it can go to like 30 or something like that. So one thing people do, uh, one like well-known trick, which at least damps it a little bit is to take like tart cherry extract before a marathon, um, and that, but interestingly, that also works for flights. So flights will increase your CRP. I don't think anybody really knows why, but people think it might be related to like the inflammation you get just from like the pressure change,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, or like from sitting, it's hard to disambiguate all these things, but, uh, um, you can also take like tartary extract before a flight and, and damp like the CRP response that damp the inflammation response.
0: That's interesting. Um, I actually use molecular hydrogen when I fly. And I find it's made a big difference for me. Like my feet <laughs> used to swell really badly on flights. Um, and ever since I started using molecular hydrogen, I find that's not the case anymore.
1: I I tried a whole flight, like a uh, hacking kit, and it included something that you actually tape to your leg that shocks your leg to cause <laughs> your like um, calf to, like it stimulates your calf Contract. muscle. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a contract, and that also like pushes blood back up into your body. Yeah. But it's not that it's not great for sleeping on a flight because no. it's like shocking you every three <laughs> seconds. But I, I sat through it; it was interesting. Um, interesting. But anyway, so so yeah. so if you get a good CRP measurement, like baseline measurement, uh, which means you're not inflamed from some acute bacterial thing, or you're not you didn't just do a marathon or whatever, and that baseline measurement is above point five, basically you can do better. So the real, and that's not what, like, if you go to a doctor, they'll say if you're below three, that's normal. Like, but in reality, all cause, like there are really good controlled studies. CRP has been measured for decades, really good studies that show that you really wanted below 0.5. And it's, it's correlated to all cause mortality. Like the higher Mm -hmm. it is above that, the higher your chances of all cause mortality It's just, uh, it's like one of the most, again, if you measure it, and a kind of like fasted state, let's say, like, you know, basically a state where it's not elevated for some local reason. Um, And it's not a specific marker. uh, So you can't say like, what's the cause, right? Right. Uh, But if it's elevated, you can really start thinking like, okay, I need to probably make some changes. There are like supplements you can take, but there's, it's also a lot of lifestyle. So it's, it's a mix. Um, What are
0: some of the supplements and the lifestyle things that people could do?
1: I think so when we do con at conferences, when we do CRP tests, we kind of mm-hmm. had to figure out what to do if somebody's CRP is high. And so yeah. we, we always give them like a packet of curcumin. and. I was going to say
0: curcumin would be yeah. the first thing that would pop into my head. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a supplement. I don't remember what it's called. That's kind of convenient because it has both curcumin and magnesium in it. And so those are the two that are kind of harmless and do, do decrease inflammation. Um, it's, there are a t- like a lot of things you can do. Uh, we see in our own data, a good correlation with, with sleep. So mm-hmm. for about 50% of people, CRP correlates well with like their sleep quality. So because we also track, um, we connect to all like the, I know this is like an aura ring, but we connect to all the whatever typical wearables and mm-hmm. integrate the sleep data and activity data into the blood test like dashboard. And so we see about like a, for about half of people, their their inflammation correlates with sleep. Um, and then of course it's like typical things like weight loss will lower your CRP. That's really well established for, for people that are overweight. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like refined sugar. It's, it's all the, it's, it's a a lot of classic stuff. I think in terms of hacks, probably another one that's interesting is sauna. So doing like relatively frequent sauna has been shown to decrease CRP like four times a week for 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, but I think in those, in those studies, it's pretty hot. I was like, going to say 10 to 15 sauna. minutes, like
0: it's got to be, you've yeah. got to be going north of 160 at that, of 160. Yeah. 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 There.
1: Those are like real, it, whenever they do sauna studies, I think they really make it hot uh, to get like a good effect. So um, you can only
0: stay the, for 15 minutes without boiling your brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's because it's a non-specific marker, you do have to kind of debug and try to figure out like what is going on that's causing this, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a starting point, right? And if you right. can't fix it with lifestyle and supplements, it's definitely something to look into where, okay, maybe I need to like see a doctor and, and not every doctor is going to even want to talk about a CRP of two, you know, they'll say, whatever, just come back when it's 20, <laughs> like, you know, come back when you have rheumatoid arthritis or whatever it is, right? Cause it could be yeah. the beginning of like something, something more serious, like some inflammatory process. But it's a, I think it's, it's a very interesting marker. I'm very surprised given all the evidence that it's not something that's really focused on by the medical system, along with fasting insulin. Those are the two that to me, it's like very surprising because fasting insulin will rise before your glucose. So they'll, they'll check your like fasting glucose, but you know, five, 10 years before your fasting glucose is out of whack, your fasting insulin will be bad. Uh, And then these are the kind of, because it's, it's like a control system in your body, right? So it, it, it's, Once you become insulin resistant, you can still just overproduce insulin and keep your glucose at a normal level. So if you really want to see like early signs of these issues, you want to be looking at these markers, right? And it's, it's something that to me is very surprising that it's not just standard practice to focus on this because it's easier to fix. I mean, this is, this is a trope, right? But of course it's easier to fix things before they completely deteriorate. So it's, um, that's some of the stuff that I kind of, I wasn't really into any of this, before starting this company but when we realized that the technology would work and you know okay in a couple of years we'll have this i started looking at like what's the most impactful use case and typically when you do blood testing what you're looking at is like how do i make doctors life more more convenient
2: mm-hmm. so like how do
1: you make more money for doctors or how do you make their life better make the treatment experience like you know how how many patients they can get through the pipe or like I don't know how often do patients fall off and like not go do their test or whatever, right. things like that. Or if they're acutely sick, like how many hours does it take to get a result in order to then treat them? But there wasn't a lot of focus on like, okay, how do we increase the health span and lifespan of humanity? Right? Like that mm-hmm. type of thing. And to mm-hmm. me, that's just more, more exciting. And it seems like really the low hanging fruit is probably two places for blood testing. It's prevention. So actually look, getting, finding out early and tracking and kind of reversing trends in your markers. And the second thing is experimentation. So mm-hmm. people are trying tons of stuff, but it's very hard to collect data on yourself to know like what's working for me. And yeah. we know, like, for example, from all the tests that we're doing, that different things correlate differently for different people. So for example, if I tell somebody, oh, just improve your sleep and your testosterone will go up. Well, that's only true for 50% of our users. So mm-hmm. it's something that like, if you just take a generic you know, even something that's well-studied, it only works for a percentage of people. Uh, So I think enabling people to do personalized kind of experiments also is highly valuable. So that's what we ended up focusing on for, our you know, kind of the product that we launched. Well, Uh, and they can repeat
0: the test at will, basically. I mean, that's, I think that's, I mean, you don't have to repeat the test every 30 days necessarily, because, and maybe, you know, what I'd like to talk about before you go on is, what are the what what are the numbers people should be looking for in their fasting insulin? because you know, again, mm. if you can even get a doctor to look at it, very often, their range is going to be different than what you would consider an appropriate range. And like you just talked about for CR for HSCRP, like if your CRP is below three from a medical perspective from a conventional perspective, you're fine. but from a functional perspective, you're saying you want it to it to be below zero point five it, really.
1: Yeah. That's really where, what people target. And some people just target getting it as low as possible. Zero. Yeah. Uh, there's now, no, there's a, no amount you, you need basically. You don't need any, a basic yeah. Level. Yeah. So
0: what about, uh, fasting insulin numbers?
1: That's a good question. So I think, so it depends really if you're, so if you're keto, that throws this all off, right? So if you, but if you eat a normal diet that contains like a normal amount of carbohydrates, you really wanted below 10. That's from what I understand. And that's what I think our recommendation is. And I think seven is where we actually cut off the like ideal range. Um,
0: Your happy place is seven to 10 for fasting insulin.
1: Yeah. And I think low is okay. Like I, unless you're not feeling well, you know, whatever, but again, not, I'm not a doctor, but that's what, that's what the research supports. I think that's what the, you know, the okay. the studies basically show the standard range is up to 25. Wow.
2: Um,
1: or 24.9. So it's it basically you can be climbing in that standard range, which indicates very likely you're getting insulin resistance, which is going to lead to prediabetes, which is gonna, I mean, it just that's yeah. the kind of the direction it all goes. And for a lot, of, I mean, one out of seven Americans I think is diabetic, and one out of three is prediabetic or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's kind of a it's a well-worn. Here, uh,
2: due,
1: yeah. yeah, due to the food environment, basically, um, and maybe some other factors. Um, but base, but uh, that's one that I think is, in terms of like what are the preventable diseases that you can get as an American, I mean, that's a, that's just a really big one. It's that the inflammatory and the metabolic diseases. Are, and those will then have downstream effects on things like sleep, hormonal health, and everything else, right? So now I think it's really becoming clear that some of the hormonal issues that people struggle with are really coming from, and even mental health are really coming from like metabolic health. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's becoming more and more of a, I think, ex- accepted viewpoint. Um, so starting there and and just making sure that you're not trending off the off the graph, like off the chart,
2: yeah,
1: uh, it, it makes a lot. Of, to me, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, and these are all stressors on the system, right? Like if your inflammation is sky high and your system is stressed trying to deal with all this inflammation, making sex hormones is not necessarily yeah. as the top of the list of priorities <laughs> at that point. It's going yeah. to, your body's going to kind of redistribute resources towards dealing with the fire if as mm-hmm. it were, just because the fire has got to be put out. If we're even for reproduction purposes, it's not going to prioritize um, reproduction, but on the, but on the insulin. And actually what I wanted to ask you is the correlations between inflammation and fasting insulin. Is that, is that Hmm. something that you see or not so much? And when you say, yeah, when you say sleep, is it that poor sleep will drive inflammation or that high inflammation brings poor sleep? Or is that a chicken or the egg question?
1: That's a that's a good question. We don't know. So I because I'm just telling you what it correlates in our data. Just what you're seeing, yeah, yeah. It's just what we're seeing. But I think the studies show. I think when they do studies where they actually like induce poor sleep and then they look at inflammation, I believe that you do see that increase for sure. Uh, Does it go the other way as well? Maybe I don't know. Uh, It certainly does with like. If you if you get your circadian rhythm out of whack, then you'll start seeing you can force poor sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're making just like poor sleep choices that will increase inflammation and typically also have some metabolic effects as well. I was going to say you become uh, yeah. more
0: insulin resistant after even just yeah, yeah, yeah. one bad night of sleep. I mean, definitely the cravings go through the roof. Most people will have noticed that. So
1: yeah, exa- exactly. I don't know. I think like from my, my opinion, you know, I've, I never was like really, and I'm also young. So you people usually get interested in the stuff as they get older, but mm-hmm. I was never really uh, that interested in, like health because I thought it wasn't really something you can control that much. There's of course like diet and exercise, but it's like for most people you're already dieting and exercising as much as you're willing. Right. Right. So it's like, okay, what do I do now? But, but I think what I've learned through the journey of building these blood tests is that there are actually a lot of pretty easy things that are like kind of like hacks that surprisingly are do work to an extent. Like I, like I think one that amazes me is just for me at least like taking magnesium glycinate just makes my sleep better, and yeah. it's like ten cents. A pe- I don't know how much it costs. It's like five dollars for a thing like this, and it's completely safe. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. just a it's just a mineral that I probably wasn't getting enough of. Um, and so, yeah, learning some it's small number. I mean, I I probably have only scratched the surface of all these things, but through the blood testing business, I've learned some of this stuff, and it's I've been actually very impressed because I kind of went into it with the mindset that. There's a zero sum game like either you pay by like exercising and dieting and it's you're miserable whatever like you just have to be miserable in order to get the health benefit, <laughs> but I think there is like a little bit of like positive some things that can happen sure. uh, which which I think is exciting uh that that to me like three three or five years ago i I didn't have this mindset
0: okay well that's uh it's nice to see that you've evolved. <laughs> I mean I think there's lots you can do and and it's funny that you referred to diet and exercise as being miserable. I think that for those of us in this space um part of the process is also reframing a little bit of how we view diet and exercise and you know how we view food in the first place, right? I think that if we can start to see these things as and make them as fun and and pleasant as possible then it hopefully isn't too much of a chore um getting there but um at the beginning of the podcast you were talking about how the the CRP number really correlates to a lot of a lot of different areas in your from what you've seen in the testing and so maybe you want to talk about that a little bit you've already talked about how um it can affect metabolic health And then obviously cardiovascular health is going to be massively impacted by bad inflammation, by inflammation. And do you want to dig into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, so this is not my, like I'm a scientist, but it's not my area, direct area of expertise. Um, But definitely CRP, like what doctors will look at is often, if you have high CRP, your risk of But you have to look at the other markers, but of course, like risk of like heart issues is much higher, Mm
2: -hmm. um,
1: but also of like other, it's correlated with basically many of the inflammatory diseases. So that'll be like rheumatoid arthritis, a lot of the autoimmune, like various auto lupus, uh, various autoimmune diseases. And there's, it's like a big family of them, but uh, they're kind of in many ways, they they have a lot in common. Mm Um, and then it's also just correlated with a really poor diet, right? So it's just general inflammation, but like related to gut, uh, just gut issues or maybe diet or just like flora. So having like, um, not having like great bacterial or the gut flora situation can, it yeah. can also like cause inflammation. And so it's, again, it's non-specific, but it kind of allows you to have the starting point where you can experiment and see, okay, like, and people generally do feel better if they get their CRP down. Uh, right. It's not just a longevity thing. They actually feel better now uh, because, like, being inflamed just doesn't feel great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, so, it's it's not something that you can say, okay, your CRP is high, and this is the reason. You have to really look at other markers and also maybe other factors in your life. But it's, uh, um, I mean, it could just be smoking, right? Uh, but but generally, getting it down, actually, people will also report that uh, like they feel they feel healthier, more energetic, and so on.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, so you're in this interesting place, right? You're you're testing, you're giving people the opportunity to test more frequently. And it seems like you have some insight into the effect or the, effic- the effectiveness of certain interventions on some of these markers. So, mm-hmm. so, so far for HSCRP, you've found that, I mean, aside from the lifestyle stuff and you have to address your diet and all the things. You found that curcumin, curcumin is seems to be effective, which is interesting because curcumin was really really hot for a while. Then people got really really down on it, and now I find like it's having a bit of a resurgence again. Um, so,
1: so we we don't just I should I should be clear about this. So we don't collect data right now about okay. um, what supplements people are taking. So we don't know. We do okay. we anything like curcumin, for example, or whatever. We look at just like RCTs like good studies.
0: Do so you look at the uh, studies? Okay.
1: We just look at the studies. But anecdotally, we know that by trying things that are known to work, like that mm-hmm. seem to do well in studies, people do get their markers. To, like people report to us or we see it in the data, like this marker is actually improving. Yeah. Um, and so my guess is that none of these – because there are different reasons why – a marker can be out of range you there's no like magic bullets so you basically Mm -hmm. have to start by trying okay this is the most common solution if that doesn't work you know try the next thing or whatever and but at least you have real data showing okay here's where i am and so for me i'll give you an interesting example uh after i had COVID in i think 2021 or whatever my crp was elevated it was above one yeah um it started out at like 0.4 or something so very healthy and it was persistently there until i went to europe for 2 weeks uh and something about the eating european food i have no idea right what it was actually uh but uh th- but it's been low since then actually like below 0.5 interesting um, so some, something about that maybe i just did a ton of i also did a ton of walking there i i don't know so it's uh and also i think it's I mean, vacations are generally correlated with improving biomarkers. Depending I was going to say, were you on you holiday? Take. Yeah. Like if you were yeah, on
0: yeah, vacation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's a, I'm, I also suspect it's, it's like medi- a lot of Mediterranean food uh, because I ate like a full Mediterranean diet the entire time. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, so does it, in the end, like I, it's not translatable. I can't like recommend to somebody go to Europe to lower your CRP. Well, it's but, a bit of a uh, big ask. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, at, at least I like, no, I don't have to worry about it anymore. So for example, like I was taking curcumin, but I don't anymore because, uh, you know, I just don't, need, it, it, I don't see any need. Um, but it's, it's, um, I think the standard things do work a lot of the time. So like getting more sleep, curcumin, whatever it is for the specific marker, <clears throat> sometimes they don't, or for one person it'll work much better than for another one. And that's why it's interesting to to make measurements.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you've made your test. You've basically made this test relatively affordable. What's the price point on the on the Cyfox?
1: So, what well, what we did is like our goal is to make it much cheaper than this uh, yeah. by doing the actual at home device with the cartridges. Mm-hmm. But the mail in test, what we did is we. Uh, I mean, if you look at like existing companies, so that are the like let's get checked in Everly Wells of the world. They will sell you like a three biomarker test uh, kit or four biomarkers, or whatever it is for, let's say 100 200 $300. And then if you want to stack that up into a complete, like a comprehensive panel, you actually have to do several tests. And so that means you have to collect blood several times, hopefully it all works out, the mail, everything. So we looked at it and said, we're, we don't care about, like, our goal is very long term, we want to do blood testing, like put a blood test device in every home. Mm-hmm. So we don't care about like the short term profits of it or whatever. Let's just do as many biomarkers as we can with a single blood collection and do it at the lowest possible price, uh, where we can just like at least not lose money doing this and, uh, where it landed and we're still working on getting it down and increasing the number of markers, but where we do 14 markers plus three ratios. So it's like 17 markers together, um, for it's $95 a kit. Um, and then single blood draw for in that one kit. Uh, and that's, uh, you have to be a member uh, to to do that to get that price, but it's like sixteen dollars a month to be a member, and you get some other perks, like you get access to continuous glucose monitors and other things. Wow, um,
0: I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm yeah. just looking at the one time testing kit for two forty five, but this is so basically people can become a member, mm-hmm. and then for sixteen dollars a month they get access to ninety five dollar kits.
1: Ninety-five dollar kits, continuous glucose monitors, uh some other perks. Like there's like really low cost coaching. Also, it's hidden on the front page. But once you're once you've taken a test, we offer like a $39 coaching session with uh it's really like actually people really like it because it's Mm -hmm. nice, like interpreting the markers a little bit more gives them insight.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it gives us some insight into what to do about it, right? And
1: like a more custom plans. So we already provide insights with every report. But then Mm -hmm. we do a more custom plan based on like, what are your goals and things like that. And then we're about to launch, we're partnering with a company that does um, custom supplements. And so we're launching. And again, this is something we don't do this to really, like, this is not, we don't see it as a profit center. But we think like, we just want to make it as easy as possible for people to actually make it do something with the data, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to launch a couple of supplement options based on where your markers are. Uh, so like, you know, if your inflammation is high or you have metabolic health issues or hormonal or cardiovascular, there's like a slightly different blend, um, that we're kind of, it's not like a hundred supplements. We're kind of minimalists. You know, it's just a couple of things that we think are like we believe in and we think are like reasonably well studied. Uh, but of course you can get them anywhere, but it's just like a convenience factor. Yeah. Um, And that's what we try to do is like always roll out more and more features where it's just it increases the likelihood that the person will succeed in whatever they're trying to do. Um, Yeah. So around, you know, around, of course, like with the blood test as the central kind of like guiding, uh, you know, it's like the North Star of like, okay, is this really working?
0: Yeah. No, I love that. Um, so on the um and on the CGM, because I know people's ears will have perked up because this is everybody's it's the bane of everybody's existence who lives in the US. Mm-hmm. They're super jealous that in Canada we can just go to Costco and get one. <laughs> yeah. But but in the States you need a prescription. And so, but a lot of the services, the prescription services are they're pretty spendy. Um mm-hmm. So do you want to... Are you using the yeah. uh,
1: Nexcom or the, or so the Freestyle? We, we use the Freestyle Libre 3. Uh, okay. We don't have very high volume, so we don't actually get very good pricing for it, but it's we're trying to cut it significantly. But right now, our pricing, we just pass it through, but it's $120 per unit. That's great. Um, but it's... Uh, there's no subscription. There's no... You just... Once you're, you have the, like, blood test membership, this only works for the people that's called like like the unlimited membership. Once you have that, you can just order CGMs whenever. Um, um, So we're, it's not the main focus of our business to CGM, but the way we see it is like, if you have metabolic health issues, Mm -hmm. this is one tool that you can employ, right? So wear this thing for two weeks and see if you can optimize your glucose spikes. So we don't really see it as the, you can make it a more like levels does an amazing job of this, where you make it like the central component, like you start with this and then you kind of build around that. Um, but, um, we went, obviously like our core expertise is blood testing. So we look at the comprehensive blood panel and then the CGM is more like a tool that we think is definitely a great tool for that, like targeted, uh, it's relatively easy to get a lot of value out of it. Um, even if, um, so that that's, and I myself like will wear one once in a while. Uh, and I think it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive technology. That's probably the best diagnostic technology that's been built in the last 10, 20 years, um, it took a long time to bring them to market. Like they were already kind of working 15 years ago or something. And then it took them until like 2018, 19.
0: Hey guys, I want to tell you about something new that I've discovered. So many of you have already added nitric oxide to your daily routine, which supports your healthy circulation. So now it's time to capitalize on that healthy circulation and introduce some key brain ingredients to you. Berkeley Life's exciting new product that complements their nitric oxide foundation supplement. It's called Cognitive Support, and it's centered around naturally optimizing your cognitive health. That's your brain. This new supplement is designed to support key brain functions like processing speed, psychomotor speed, sustained attention, even composite and verbal memory. And the best part, it's a natural stimulant-free formula that's been thoroughly researched and backed by science. When you combine cognitive support with Berkeley Life's Nitric Oxide Foundation, you're in for an incredible cognitive boost. The two work together seamlessly to deliver essential ingredients like alpinina galanga, sulforaphane, and lutein efficiently to the brain, enhancing cognitive performance to its full potential without concern of caffeine crash or jitters. You can access Berkeley Life by going to berkeleylife.com and using practitioner code NIDDBL to place your order today. And now let's get back to that episode. The beauty of the CGM is that it gives immediate feedback on the impact of things that you do and things that you eat. And people don't always think of the things that you do, but I think when I have clients who are wearing a continuous glucose monitor, we talk about, How does exercise affect your blood sugar? How does um, a poor night's sleep affect your blood sugar? How does stress affect your blood sugar? And you can see it very often in the data on top of how did this meal or this food or whatever the case may be affect that blood sugar? So, and how long is it taking for the blood sugar to come back down? Because that could be some insight into insulin resistance. Like there's a lot there's a lot of really good information you can get out of the continuous glucose monitor that takes you beyond the mm-hmm. oh your fasting insulin is high or your fasting blood sugar is high okay well it was at that speck of time but that doesn't give me any information in terms of what's going on on a regular basis
1: yeah but- it's uh i think that's it, like the more frequently you get data especially for something that's changing a lot Uh, It's just, it's, uh, it becomes like exponentially more valuable for sure. Yeah.
0: I'm just looking at, so when I'm looking at the hormone panel that you measure, where'd it go? I just had it up a minute ago.
1: So out of the box, what we do is cortisol, DHEA for men, estradiol for women, ferritin TSH, FSH for women, testosterone for men, and then vitamin D, which is, oh tsh
0: and so you don't Uh, you don't measure dhea for women how come
1: uh we do in the i believe we do in the extended there's an there's a add-on that does another five hormones that's not that's also like uh something that's available for members on the back end in the add-on we do it's just a blood budget like there's only so many that we could do okay um but uh somehow it ended up this, it's a little bit arbitrary. It's hard to, there's so many hormones that it was hard to fit, like make a really good decision. I would say on, of course, like men need the testosterone measurement, for example, but it's, I think also for, for women, there's a complicating factor, which is that due to the cycles, doing one measurement is not always like perfect. But for example, for TSH is a very useful one because that one is, is not cycle related. And a lot of women will have that out of range um so that that's that's an interesting one
0: and do you have plans to measure t3 and t4 down the road because tsh is you can get that pretty much from your gp and it can be Mm -hmm. i mean look it's it's a good indication that something might be off but we all know that it doesn't necessarily mean much like if you're not converting your t4 to t3 that gives you other information or do you have plans to kind of be able to drill a little deeper into some of these wells as it were?
1: Yeah. So, so something that we're in general doing is we're building up other, like smaller panels
2: Mm -hmm. that
1: will recommend this follow-ups or just have as options. Um, The main reason we don't do that now is just because of the, you know, it would just be very clunky. So we're finding a way to, in a very nice way to kind of like give people the option to order these things without, confusing them making it just like a grab bag of stuff and nothing it's like there's no seniority so we're starting with this like comprehensive panel that's a bit of everything and you know it has good coverage and then once you're in the system um if you're curious like okay maybe i really want to look at my thyroid more carefully there will be a panel that you can order for that
0: okay but that's not Um, available yet
1: not yet but that's something that'll like the next three to six months yeah
0: oh nice And then the home kit. So let's talk, I mean, you know what, guys, I know that I just, I'm so curious about this home kit, like how amazing that we'll be able to have, like, it looks like a little rectangular box. And
1: so the, the, uh, this, the, the industrial design will be improved. So it'll be some type of,
0: it'll be prettier. But right now it just looks like it's just like a white, a small white box. Like, what is it? Six inches long or something? Just about. Yeah. Yeah. So like, three inches by six inches, maybe three inches tall. And then there's these little tiny cartridges and you, I guess you do, a, it's like the, it's a little bit like the card, the paper card. Now you have much, to fill the well blood. with blood. Less no, blood it's, than it's, that? It's
1: much less. Yeah. So it's more like a glucometer. So you collect okay. the blood into like a small capillary. Yeah. And then that goes into a little collector with some a liquid that like dilutes it. And that goes in here. So there's another piece that goes with this that actually does the blood collection.
0: So then you have this cartridge. Um, So you put a tiny bit of blood in there, you stick it into your little white box. So that means you guys, you have your little white box at home and they've recreated the technology that the lab would mm -hmm. use in the lab to now give you your blood test results on the spot. Is that
1: specifically for proteins and hormones, for immunoassays, which is one class of blood tests. So there's like blood counts, chemistry, and so on. So we do, we focus on that one class. But um, for that, we were able to, using the semiconductor technology to really miniaturize all the optics that were required to do that type of test. and so there's a chip in here. You can, I don't know, maybe see it.
0: If you're it's watching, yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, he's holding it up to the camera. Yeah, there's a there's black a little, square here. Little square there. Yeah.
1: So that's where the magic happens in terms of the sensors that do the blood test, and then all the readout is inside this. Uh, it's 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 over here. So this will this will get a little bit smaller, more elegant, but it's generally this is approximately the, the form And so people control.
0: will buy the box.
1: We'll probably just make it part of the subscription, uh, but we're trying to make it very low cost. So that's a big thing. You know, I mean, one thing that chips do is like they don't necessarily. Sometimes they give you new functionality, but a big thing what chips do is just make things low cost and really performant. Like you can produce tons of them. It's very scalable. So that, that's really our goal is to make it like, you know, you open a faucet and this stuff comes out instead of making, yeah. instead of, you know, like a blood testing tool, they maybe make a thousand of them and put them into central labs and that's it. Right. So we're trying to make it something more like a smartphone.
0: Yeah. Like uh, you full e- on disrupting the industry here. <laughs> for, for for
1: a for certain section things. of it. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the menu will never be as broad as a central lab because no. it's, it's definitely more difficult to, Uh, develop the cartridges than it is to develop like a standard uh you know uh, like the there's a lot of history to the central lab and a lot of kind of momentum it's very easy Mm -hmm. to add another test and things like that but i think first for many use cases it makes sense to build something like this i mean our opinion is that you know 10 years from now there will be a device like this in almost every home uh and it's just a question of you know how are we going to get there? Who's going to get there? What's it going to look like, and so on? But but it's a uh, it's kind of an inevitability, just because of the direction that healthcare is going, the need, and and everything else, and the technology exists. Uh, ours and and other people are working on things like this as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Um, and so, so when you said proteins and hormones is what the box is going to be able to do. And so what are the proteins? Yeah. Are we talking distinct amino acids or are you talking specific? No, no, no like, like, you, you know, CRP. hs
1: CRP is a protein or, yeah. uh, you know, peptides like insulin is a peptide. So just, uh, not, you know, we generally don't look at like ions, so we won't be measuring, you know, chloride or something like that. Okay. And we generally don't look at, um, like so we can't do cell counts at all. So we okay. So you're not it's, doing it's the white totally blood different. cell count, the red blood yeah, cell it's count, a like totally that kind different of stuff technology.
2: Is a yeah. Whole
0: different thing. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. I, I'm you know, this is like high
1: yeah,
0: high nerve. If you're into longevity, level. this
1: is uh this is a big deal, yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: no, I mean this is this is a the, really big deal because in the in a land of wanting to be able to keep an eye on things and do the intervention, say, okay, I'm going to do, let's say I'm going to do 30 days of high dose curcumin and I want to see what happens on the other side. Or, you know, if I figured out with my doctor, I have a bacterial infection and I'm going to deal with it. What changes on the other side of that or changing my diet? How is that going to affect my insulin levels? I think that's just really exciting for people to be able to have that in, in their house.
2: Yeah. Right. Not have sure. to
0: run to the lab and and do the whole do the whole thing. I mean, one of the things you you said that CRP correlates to so many different areas. Is there anything else that we didn't really talk about in terms of CRP? Or do you want to dig into homocysteine a little bit? Like that's another one that I think doctors don't look at nearly enough.
1: And one and- that I think is pretty interesting that we look at for inflammation is actually ferritin.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: ferritin normally is like associated with iron levels and anemia and so on but that's when it's low yeah Uh, so it turns out that when it's high that actually can indicate inflammation um and that that's something i had no idea about um Mm -hmm. but i think it's very interesting a lot of men will have very high ferritin. um and so and there's also some whole separate kind of like i don't know if it's a I actually don't know if this is accepted medical knowledge or, like, still a conspiracy theory that will become medical knowledge at some point, but, like, that high iron levels in general are bad for you. And so there are, like, there's, like, a community around doing a lot of blood donations, if you're a guy, to get your ferritin or just iron levels down. And that's, uh, you know, I don't know how much evidence... Like, I've seen papers and things like that, but I don't know if it's, like, if that's still fringe or it has already been... Because things that used to be fringe if that's some of them, like some percentage of them eventually become, Oh, this is like, this is obvious now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know if the iron thing is still fringe or it's become like more typical. I'm not sure. I I think uh, iron is
0: a, is, is a Goldilocks story. You mm -hmm. want it not too high, not too low. Like it needs to be in a very, in a specific range so that you're not, you know, very, very high. They talk about it like almost like you're rusting from the inside Mm -hmm. And very low, you don't, you, you impact the blood, the, the oxygen carrying capacity yeah. of your blood. Right. So I don't know that bleeding yourself too often, like I had a friend who was doing a lot of work on himself and was doing blood draws like every week. And, you know, he ended up needing a blood transfusion because he Not was really. kind of starting That's to look a, a little. Wayne, let's just say so, so so it goes both ways yeah. it goes both ways you know it's like mtor everybody's crazy about lowering mtor for longevity but here's the bad news if you don't build lean muscle you're not going to be a happy elderly person right yeah. so it is about I do think it, it a lot of this has to do with finding that sweet spot and finding the balance between pushing you know in the in the case of mtor you can you can do things that some days it's high, some days it's low. And so you, you, you kind of get it doing that. You wouldn't necessarily do that with ferritin. I, I don't think it's like blood sugar. There's never an argument that says you want high blood sugar or you want high ferritin. There's, these are things you want to keep within a certain range um, for optimal. What, what,
1: do, what do you health. think of rapamycin? I'm just curious. Cause you mentioned them What's your, do you have like a position on it?
0: I think rapamycin's really interesting. I'm actually going to be interviewing somebody about rapamycin because oh, it's one cool. of those things I've been wanting to do a deep dive on for a really long time. And I can't remember the gentleman's name that I'm interviewing, but he's written papers, written books, like he's been he's been rapamycin man for years mm. and years. And so and I wanted to find someone to interview who's so deep in the research and the clinical work. To really show how it's how it works and what the outcomes are i've personally been cautious with it um but i'm very open to learning more and thinking rethinking my position (laughs) on rapamycin but i think that mTOR is not i think we have a tendency to oversimplify stuff because people don't have attention span but i don't think we give people enough credit i think that just to say we have to keep mTOR low all the time is completely self defeating. I think. I think we may. It may be smart to have cycles of time where your mTOR is higher than others, so that you can maintain and build lean mass. Um, but you don't want to be pushing. It's like growth hormone, right? Growth hormone drops as we age. Restoring growth hormone levels to more youthful levels is probably beneficial for aging. But if you cross the line and go too high with growth hormone, it starts to become pro-aging. So hmm. all these things is learning where's that where's that sweet spot where we want to hopefully target so that we age well without over pushing and and paradoxically paradoxically aging faster.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um cool. Uh I guess um, I'm just trying to think if we didn't cover something that would be, that's like important. And and I should say, <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> Well, well I
1: think, I, just, I think just we the actually te- covered a lot. Yeah. Uh, no, I
0: think just the technology honestly is like, it's just so, it's so refreshing to see someone who's doing something really different. I mean, I thought your cards were super cool. Right. Mm -hmm. When I did my first Cyfox test and I used the card, I was like, wow, that is like, that's just, it takes, it takes you way beyond a blood spot Mm -hmm.
1: test, Mm -hmm.
0: right? Like a dried blood spot. Yeah.
1: I think the dried blood spots, the original ones had a pretty bad reputation because they had, they weren't separating the, like this trick of separating the plasma from the cells has a lot of benefits because you also can't, um, What would happen with the original draft? I mean, this is nerdy stuff, but like the blood would dry a little bit and then the person would put more blood and they would kind of cake it and stuff like that. And that none of that can happen in the case of where you have the plasma going across the card. So it's these little details like end up mattering a lot. But uh, the dried blood spots got all had like. A pretty weak reputation in the industry and everything because of all the... It, there's various issues with them, but that's one of them. And then yeah. you have hemolysis, like the cells bursting and and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think one thing I forgot to mention is that uh, I th- thought of it, is that we have a wait list up. Uh, yes. It's a little bit hard to find, but scifoxhealth.com slash wait list. It's a form where you can sign up to eventually be in a study. So next year, we're going to launch a study where a uh, good number of people, like thousands maybe, as uh, we're figuring out the exact number now, are, are going to get a device in their home
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as part of their subscription. And we'll actually be able to do the testing and get like instant results for some of the markers. Okay. Uh, so, for example, you know, we we're talking about CRP. If you want to optimize your CRP, you would get the CRP cartridges. Uh, and maybe there'll be one or two or three or four more markers in there besides CRP, but it won't be the full panel. Uh, but you would get like the inflammation cartridge in that. Uh, you'd be able to use that at home as part of the study Um, and that'll run six months to a year or something like that.
0: Sign me up. I'm in.
1: Yeah, I I want to be in there.
0: Absolutely. Um, No, I think that, I mean, this is a biohacker's dream, right? So I think the last thing to talk about really before we go is just the work that you've done to show, I mean, again, because it's a miniaturized version of exactly what's happening in the lab, it it kind of seems self evident that this is as accurate as sending as having your blood work done in a lab. But you want to speak to that a little bit, and then even the paper, the card, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of the work you've done to establish that this lines up exactly ah, with sure. Much with so what people are doing in a lab.
1: Sure. So our hardware, we do all our own studies, and then we have some third party validations that we run. But it's not it's not ready for. Like we're not selling it yet or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's kind of a standard process that you follow. Uh, and we'll have done that for anything that goes out, even as part of the study, we'll already have gone through like a very rigorous process. Um for the yeah. test cards that we sell now. So there's a um this is all regulated by something called CLIA. It's the FDA, it's like the FDA, but for Central Lab. So it's a yep. different different organization. So the, all the tests are CLIA approved. They do uh, the lab, we work with a third party logistics company that does the actual like physical lab testing. So they'll cut cut a piece of the card out with the plasma, rehydrate it, run it on the machines. So everything is actually run on an FDA cleared instrument. Uh, the, the secret sauce is in how the, they rehydrate the plasma, what you have to do to make sure that you still get the same results. Uh, but all of that is actually tested, like, against standard venous draws and everything. So there, there is a pretty sophisticated process. I will say, though, that any time you have people collecting their own blood, that increases the likelihood of errors. So there's about a 05 to 1% error rate in LabCorp and Quest. So that's, like, your standard blood draws will have an error rate. Yeah. Uh, because of, like technicians and everything else Mm -hmm. and then you add to that like for example small thing but if you if you use a cream to take like estradiol like hormone replacement therapy and that cream is on your fingers and then you prick your finger you're going to get an astronomical value for estradiol right and we've had users do that so there are like things like that happen all the time but in general uh the accuracy is very solid people will do comparisons like and record videos about it, so we've had some some people do that. We do it ourselves. For some markers, we see more disagreements with LabCorp than others. Uh, typically, it's the ones that are more like have different forms. Like vitamin D, for example, mm. has a couple of forms, and there's not that great standardization across the industry. If you buy one tool in the industry or another one, and you give them the same sample, there's not incredible standardization of like exactly what it's measuring because there are different forms of vitamin D and other factors. Uh, but for uh, most of the typical markers, it actually has really good correlation and people find that when they take the test, but you have to, you have to do your comparison the same time. Like you have to really like bring the test. Yeah. Or I would do it that hour because right, some of right, these right. things move a lot. So like you have to do it like at the lab cor- office. Basically. Well, your
0: cortisol, for example, it's, that's like yeah. a speck of time. I mean, cortisol yeah. By blood is it's, it's okay, but it's not Mm -hmm.
1: super useful. (laughs) I mean,
0: it's because it moves around so much during the day. Right.
1: Yeah. We try to get people to, if they're trying to track cortisol or testosterone, we try to get them to take the test at the same time repeatedly. So like 10 AM, let's say, or like even better, like whenever you wake up, just take the test an hour later, let's say, and that's your fixed interval mm-hmm. just to get a more reliable because of that the, the curve is like from the time you wake up and then so that, that's uh if you're way out of like if you have like a really serious circadian rhythm issue you will see that from just one cortisol measurement so right we get people you know your cortisol should be whatever it is like 10 in the morning uh and you know we get people with like a 2 so mm-hmm. for sure, uh, it's Their not, you're not getting,
2: yeah. yeah,
1: so you're not getting the cortisol spike when you're supposed to, to wake you up. Uh, and so that me I mean, that means that if you feel sleepy, like probably the best thing to do is to somehow fix this curve, right? Rather right, than right, right. whatever. Um, so that that's like uh, something that we do see in our data and the opposite also, like pe- sometimes people will take the test at night specifically because they're interested in this and they'll see high cortisol at night. Um, that's kind of a rare use case, but it's, of course you can do it.
0: Um, Will cortisol be part of what you can measure with those little home cartridges? cartridges?
1: Cause, yeah. Because yeah, yeah.
0: that'll be really interesting, yeah. right? So that yeah. you'll be able to measure your cortisol Take at multiple times points. a day. Yeah. Um, that'd be really interesting. Yeah. And then, um, there was another one I was going to ask you about IGF-1. Is that something that's coming? You're not measuring that now, are you? Or are you? I can't remember if I saw it on the panel. Which marker? IGF-1.
1: Uh, we're not no um but that's something that we actually could be measuring but we we weren't 100% sure how to interpret it so we we didn't choose yeah. it as one of the markers
0: So i mean IGF1's interesting it's it's the closest thing to um to an understanding of maybe what's happening with growth mor- hormone that you can kind of look at because you can't, growth hormone's another one, you can't measure it because it's it's going up and down all day long, like you've got pulses of growth hormone. And so your liver will convert growth hormone into IGF-1. So people will often take their IGF-1 number to try and extrapolate, well, is my growth hormone really high or is my growth hormone really low? Um, and so I was just wondering, because again, in the world of where people are playing around with certain things that might be affecting the growth hormone levels, it's always interesting to, to be able to track and see where they're at.
1: Yeah. 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 That's uh uh, probably will end up in a, some kind of like longevity add on or something. Like a
0: longevity. That has kind of
1: more, idea. that yeah. has even more like longevity. Like statin C is probably an interesting one too. Yeah. I think people care about that one a lot in like some longevity circles. Um, we don't really do any kidney, anything like kidney focused right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah
0: well, you know um, I think the possibilities are a little bit endless for you guys, right? Yeah. So it's just a question of really honing in on what are the most useful and actionable markers that you could be looking at for people and then helping people to understand what they are what and and most importantly probably is what to do about it. Mm-hmm. but that that body of knowledge is growing by the day, so I don't think that will be a problem.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the exciting things is that there are things people have figured out lot of great kind of like protocols and ways to interpret biomarkers and that's only improving and yeah. also the knowledge out there that's just available on the internet and through functional medicine doctors and even regular doctors are getting more interested in these things yeah. i think it's i think in general the trend is 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 in the right direction and i'm pretty excited about it um and also maybe what it is is like the average person's health is trending in the wrong direction. So the interest level in like really solving the problem is increasing. Yeah. So that that's, it's good when like it's maybe tractable. And so it's like a good moment uh, where these trends are crossing uh, like overlapping.
0: A hundred percent. Okay. Well, um, Michael, this has been really, really fascinating and interesting. I now, I thought I knew some stuff, but now I know even more stuff about your test and I'm even more excited about it. So, so I want to get awesome. on that wait list for next year to get that box because I think that's going to be, that's really going to be next level kind of thing. So, why don't we tell people a little bit about where they can find you, where they can find, mm-hmm. where they can access SciFox and then, um, and then you've given you've offered the the listeners of this podcast a nice 10% discount. And will that apply to their membership and to the one-time test or just one?
1: That applies to the first purchase. Okay. Or maybe so, first two purchases. Let me check.
0: Okay. So the discount um, code, if I didn't say it, is NAT 10. So that's 10% off. And mm-hmm. uh, and if Michael can't find it now while we're closing up, it'll be in the show notes for sure.
1: Yeah, I think it looks like it applied that applies to the first purchase.
0: Okay. okay. Amazing. So Michael, where can they find you and where can they get a handle on all the amazing things we talked about today?
1: I'm sure uh, uh like in the in the podcast notes, but it's it's just scifox S-I-P-H-O-X, health.com. Um, and that's got all the all the information.
0: Health.com. Okay, great. And then are you guys on Instagram at all or
1: yeah, I don't think actively. We have a Twitter that's also not very active. <laughs> Um, well, but, know, uh, these days. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's something that we, we haven't, um, we haven't figured out yet what our social media life yeah. should be as a company, but well, you're too uh, we, busy.
0: You're too yeah. busy doing other cool stuff to do that. So it's okay. We can go um, to the website.
1: Yeah. Cyfox, cyfoxhealth.com. It's i like, it's dot com.
0: Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Michael. Yeah. It's been a pleasure.
1: Awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you as well.
0: Hey guys, before we wrap up today's episode, I want to thank everyone who has left a five-star rating and a review for the podcast. If you haven't yet left a rating and review and you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you did. Each and every one truly helps the overall growth and success of the podcast, which allows me to continue to bring you more episodes and helps me to help more people to optimize their health and longevity. All you have to do if you're on Apple or on Spotify is open up Apple Podcasts or Spotify and take two seconds to click your rating and leave even just a one word review. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning into today's episode. If you have any questions about the episode or any questions you would like me to answer on the podcast, always feel free to reach out on Instagram at Natalie Nidham. I wish you all the best this week in biohacking your superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the biohacking superhuman performance podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, mattnidham.com.